0: Welcome to a very special edition of the Crossing Phase podcast with your hosts Matt Hawkins, that's me, and John Pinna, my Muslim friend. Uh, he's typically from New York or Washington, D.C. recording, but now, this week, he is, I would say live, but this is a podcast, so it's not its not going to be live, but it's from our quote-unquote field office in Erbil. John Pinna, welcome back to the program.
1: How you doing, bud? It's good to good. talk to
0: you. Glad you are safe and sound in Kurdistan presently?
1: As far as you know.
0: As far, as far as I know, you're not speaking under duress at the moment.
1: A safety word armadillo. <laughs> and,
0: and you uh, have a special guest with us today, which I'm pretty excited about. This inaugurates our first guest, I think, on this Crossing Phase podcast, even though we've talked about it for some time. Would you care to introduce our guest?
1: So we here, we're here with Father John Anderson. So Father John, what you're... you're your actual uh, faith title? I
2: am a uh, priest of uh, the Orthodox Patriarch of Antioch. I'm in the uh, autonomous North American Antiochian Archdiocese, or Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese. My hierarch is His Eminence,
1: Metropolitan Joseph. Okay. So we're, we can't get guests in America. We have to travel to Erbil, Kurdistan, <laughs> to get guests to talk to us. Even though he's
0: based in North America.
1: Right, it, it makes no sense, but the, the, it just so happens that because uh, we're, we're both here on a humanitarian assessment, uh, we arrived at, at different dates, um, but because we're co-po- co-populating our uh, the Erbil at the same time or Kurdistan at the same time, we were able to uh, spend some time working together on doing an assessment of of what's happening with well, the current environment in Kurdistan sure. and as a result of the the the, the, the the recent unpleasantness uh, that's happening in Syria as a result of, of the war over there um, and the conflict. so yeah. um, and we've spent some time traveling through Kurdistan uh, had had you know a, a number of plans that had to go be put on, put aside but uh, but we're here now uh, because we're we are in are built at the same time able to collaborate on uh, on the show.
0: Great, yeah. Father Anderson. Thank you for making the trip. Number one and number two. Thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your schedule at uh, probably a very late night right now uh, to talk with us. Uh, where, where are you from originally? We we got your official title and your 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 church your church affiliation, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from, and uh, what do you spend your days doing in your particular role?
2: Well, uh, like John, I'm a native New Yorker. Uh, we disagree on the vocabularies that uh, New Yorkers must use to be authentically New. <laughs> But other than that we're New Yorkers.
1: I uh, see so you got two New Yorkers here, so people might question the diversity of opinion on this show. And it's worthwhile to say that we are collaborators at the International Digit Roundtable yes. and that's how we know each other and we spend quite a bit of time in Washington. So it's for us to it's it is a a special kind of moment for us to be Uh, overseas uh, interacting together and spending some time in in the city is big enough for the both of us. We just found that out.
2: The city is big enough for the both of us and all the wonderful people who uh, inhabit Kurdistan make it big enough for the both of us.
1: Yeah, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that that the amazing community that's here is multi-faith, collaborative, cooperative, and largely unknown. Yeah. Uh, so. And that's part of the reason why we thought this was a uh, uh, appropriate to chat with you. Yeah. Today. So, uh,
0: Father Anderson, other than uh, collaborating on international religious freedom, what kind of uh does your uh, weekly, day to day work look like?
2: Uh, well, I I do a few things. I, a lot of pastoral care, a lot of pastoral counseling. Okay. Uh, the uh, Orthodox Church uh, may be heard of in the Western world, Western Christendom. But it's uh, largely unknown and for those who know it most of them uh, put a template on it that it really doesn't fit yeah and it makes then engage in the Orthodox Christians even more confusing because they think they understand the Orthodox Church and they don't can you give us like a, a,
1: a 30 second schism what's the difference between the, the, the like what it was the Orthodox it was a rush it was the Greek or not the Greek it was the Roman Catholic Church and the Broke away in the schism,
2: right people. Okay. So there was a Roman Empire Constantine eventually uh, made Christianity the official Faith of the Roman Empire the Roman Empire and that's what the the dates of that are are about 313. It was the Edict of Milan and I think it was a little later that uh, It became the official religion Constantine himself as was a common practice for some people who had had rather colorful lives waited to the end of his life to get baptized, right. hoping that all of his saints would, excuse me, sins would be washed away at baptism. That's that's my camp. Okay, right. that's, that's John's camp. And uh, and then at one point the empire was split into four parts, but then uh, Rome was sacked by the Vandals and the Western Roman Empire kind of snuffed out, but the Eastern Roman Empire, so the Roman Empire, the remnant, uh, still persisted. We call it the Byzantine Empire, but that's an incorrect term. The West was more Latin-oriented, and the East was more Greek-oriented, uh, Oriental in terms of culture, things like that. And so the West, because of various issues, and the East lost a lot of communication.
1: And as we're learning today, became like isolated monasteries, isolated monasteries. I said or communities, units. Whereas it was consolidated in. in it was in still available. And the Byzantine Empire, right? And the Roman Empire in the
2: East held on uh, technically until 1453, when Constantinople was overrun, and then it was snuffed out. Uh, And then the uh, patriarchs became, under the Ottomans, the uh, heads of the Rum Millet, which are the people of Rome.
1: And patriarchs are the governing senior people. The, right. of of the church yeah prior to that they didn't have just so five like, patriarchs in the russian ortho yeah in the in russian orthodox church and yeah.
2: well russian, each, russia came later yeah but so each the one... five patriarchates uh would be rome was given preference antioch alexandria rome antioch alexandria Constantinople, and jerusalem yeah. and uh and rome was number one and then uh with the filioque Really, it was used uh, in the uh, coordination. It was insisted upon the by Charlemagne, and around 800, the West started using it. Yes, yeah, sure. actually, use it for a good reason. I think it came out of the Council of Toledo in Spain. The filioque was added on to help defend the uh, the person of God, so to speak, in the person of Jesus Christ.
1: So why is, why is the, or, Russian, or why is the, the Orthodox church really the true church and all these other Christian churches shouldn't, shouldn't really be around it?
2: Well, I would, I'm not sure we would say that. Cause it's, why are they the best? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Tim you know, like, is always not, trying, trying to seed, like, what? seed, seed disunity. You know, it, it, disunity. Like, you know <laughs> if, if we're not talking about faith and John, it's like, which is best? a Mercedes or an Audi, you know, it's yeah. just like, so, uh, it's, it's different, and it's different in many, many ways. And I'll give you an example part of the confusion. So there's the schism, okay, so roughly from 1054, because that's when it basically everybody dates it. But some of the Orthodox really didn't cut communion uh, with the uh, Pope in Rome while remaining completely Orthodox till the 13th century. But you have the Great Schism, and then you have issues that lead to the Protestant Reformation, and some of the Wittenberg theologians, and I think it was Patriarch Jeremiah II, Constantinople, yeah. write him, and they want his opinion on all these very Protestant questions.
1: And, you know, give, the, give what, like, what's a Protestant question? Well, me, no, you know, I mean, like, you me know,
2: self, uh, faith or buying indulgences or, and, and indulgences and things like That's that. That's what I think of. Yeah. And, ba- and basically, the long and the short, since this is a podcast, is Jeremiah II basically wrote back and go, go talk to Rome. Because I really don't even understand what you're saying. Because these are not our theological perspectives. Right, you're th- yeah. You're th- so, so for instance, like the, the great argument, faith or works, faith or works. Well, why is there a dichotomy? Why isn't two sides of the same coin?
0: Yeah.
2: How can you have faith if you're not living it? Faith isn't an intellectual apprehension of an idea.
1: Faith is something that gives you life. Did you two talk before we got on this podcast? We this
0: did this not, I promise.
1: All this is Matthews doling out these faith cards <laughs> All the time in the podcast, right? Well, so I, I feel like you're just reinforcing him, and this is all. So well, this no, is, you see,
2: you're making a false dichotomy. I'm not reinforcing <laughs> I'm faith. false you're, you're, no, you're all you're, you're reinforcing that there's actually a separation between faith and works. I'm, okay? I'm, not, I'm and not, making, not. I'm not taking. I'm not taking a position. Not intentionally, but I'm, it's like you know when you push a bad pizza place. Okay, you're <laughs> trying to do good, but you're doing bad. Okay, so <laughs> we love you. So my point is, is that there are a lot of. Uh, The basic way to look at it is this. A lot of Western Christian theology goes for precision. It likes precision. Yeah. Okay. Right. Language for precision, definition, things like that. And the Orthodox have always been more of this kind of thing like, well, it's God. Who am I a sinner to really understand God? Yeah. Right. How can I put all these labels on God? There's some labels, so to speak, we can put on God. But we can't limit God.
1: It's it's a very that's a very Muslim preset. It's like you know, as as some, as someone that's imperfect, as someone who's supposed to be submitting to Allah. Well, we you know, who are we to try to 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 put the precision on it? And that's where we get muddled into all these different things. Where you get people trying to be pre- precise, like your your uh, Muslim Brotherhood, your Wahhabis, your your Salafis, who are always saying, the Ubanis who are always saying, no. We interpret religious texts. We're defining what a Muslim is, and let me tell you how to do it. Yeah. 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 So it's the same type of situation. But
0: Father John, let me ask you this: um, mm. Given what you've said about that and and the desire for precision in, in theology in the West, I uh, that's a really uh, good way of putting it. Uh, would you say something like uh, maybe your tradition is a little more comfortable with the paradoxes of scripture, whereas Western folks? Uh, and more Western traditions we we want to we because of the desire for precision, uh, we're less comfortable with paradoxes that we see.
2: Ab- absolutely. and uh, i I'll, I'll give you that. There's a, a thing called mystagogy, which is a study of mystery. and unfortunately, mysterion, the term that's often used in the Orthodox churches from the Greek, gets translated into English and in the word, Mystery, and then we think about things like, you know, novels that are murder mysteries. Yeah, yeah. that's not what they're talking about. What they're mm-hmm. talking about is things that are unknowable or unknown to us, because we are creatures and we are sinful creatures. Right, and
1: therefore we're never going. Give How... me an example of the para- like paradox. So from so okay. the Muslimists is what do we they say the paradox. You know, or you know, what what is that? Okay, give me just a simple example. So
2: here's a simple example
1: okay i'm sitting next to john jt
2: you know whatever pinna however you want to call him brother john he's been called tonight and somebody will go do you know him Uh, really i should answer no i don't know him okay i've spent time with him i've done this and that we traveled to kurdistan etc but do i know him no i don't know him. well why is that you spent all that time with him well there are two major reasons why i don't know him one i'm limited so knowledge would assume that i have an objective understanding of who he is okay i know him again that precision i know him but the other is is that everything about him is completely knowable okay and then the only person who's going to know him that way is god does that make sense
1: i understand Yeah. yeah because knowledge in that regard would so we're in the present moment. Right. It has which, to define, it has to, has, to has, to, has to be, it's not bad. You're trying to bound it time by time and in space. And, right. and 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 I've existed in multiple realms and it's under and, and evolved up to now and will extend beyond this time, theoretically, yeah. if you don't murder me on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, and, then, murder <laughs> so, and then,
2: well, you know, and I'll give you an example. It's going to sound absurd, but it, it's accurate. If I know John, then I know John's pancreas. Right. <laughs> I hope to never see John's pancreas, and John doesn't want me to see
1: his pancreas, because then something bad is happening to John. As long as you're not looking out the duodenum, that's the bad okay. like okay. of, of, of the organs you of know, the body.
2: So, so, we, so this right. precision and language, and there's nothing wrong with it in theory, okay? But this precision and language, and then the other side, you know, getting too hazy and going, well, it's all mystery. That, that's you know, leads to baloney, too. Right. But on the faith faith and work side and the precision and the mystery, I'll simply say this, the man himself says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself. okay? That is a matter of faith which cannot be lived
1: without works. How come you, the evangelicals and the and the Orthodox church don't get along? This is the same stuff you tell me all the time. What's going on here?
0: <laughs> That's a great question, John. Well,
1: no, I'll just be honest. I, I mean, this, this is, this is word for word. This is verbatim. Of eight, this is ten years of our relationship. This guy's uh, saying the same thing. So why are you guys? And we've never what's met. What's the problem? between I, I've got nothing. No problem, evangelical. But the evangelical. So, the, even what's the evangelical take on Orthodox Christians? I, I think mean, I, go- I go back you into a corner, but.
0: Father John may have a, a different answer for that. I think it's just uh, in part a distance of history, um, and it's a it's a lack of knowledge and a lack of interaction.
1: Well, maybe we can start a new socialization by, by doing this. Maybe start a new trend here by by having this podcast. Maybe the the there'll be an evangelical yeah. Orthodox revival.
0: It's a lack lack of interaction. Uh, there's a lot of history there. There's also I think most of our differences will probably come down to differences in ecclesiology or the, what we believe uh, ought to be the structure of the church. Uh, that's probably where a lot of our disagreement lies. Well, and, but Which, and Would I'm it be so,
1: fair to say that, that the problems come from the Calvinists?
2: John, I, I'm, I'm going to throw them under the bus. So I always bash the Calvinists. And I'm going to put snow tires in the bus, okay? Because <laughs> heart, heart, the idea of God predestining people, that's not a loving God. Plain and simple. An American uh, cultural... Christianity, I'm not talking about a particular faith group, uh, American cultural Christianity is shaped radically by the Calvinists. I'll give you another country shaped by the Calvinists are uh, the Dutch. I lived in the southern Netherlands in Limburg, and uh, very heavily populated by, at least formerly by Catholics, but a lot of their cultural behaviors were Dutch, excuse me, were Calvinists, and they'd even tell you that. Yeah. That they were influenced by the Calvinists. America, its uh, Catholicism, is very Calvinist in many ways. You name it, and um, and Calvinism really doesn't leave any room for error because God's
1: picking certain people. So very precise. It's very precise. Am I wrong? So I mean, I what, what do you think about the Calvinist comment? Are you asking me? Yes, sir. Yeah.
0: Well, I th- I think uh, I-, I think Father Anderson's uh, right uh, in the uh, acknowledgement of the influence of Calvinism, uh, in particular that uh, what I think we as Protestants read Calvin as uh, focusing on that issue for not really the broad scope of his theology, but it's certainly it's in there. Um, and I think what was recognized and labeled as quote unquote Calvinism. Uh, I think in, in more recent years, is uh, m- a lot of folks are trying to re, uh, rename that as more reformed because a lot of Calvin's followers after him uh, got even more specific and more narrow. So uh, successors like Beza, more systematized, uh, more even more rigidly and more precisely uh, some of Calvin's ideas than maybe even Calvin did himself. Uh, is that a fair assessment yeah
2: i I think that's exactly right and then you know and i'm an american my family's been there for generations i love my country i spent decades
1: in the military father anderson's family is they're like part of the original pilgrims yeah he's like he's like they came they're they're the people that started the buckles and hat trends in america (laughs) i'm sure which, which which (laughs) <laughs> Which was, you know, a major fashion statement for several decades. So, okay. but your family came in on the on the Mayflower. On, on the
2: Mayflower, that's true. Wow. Yeah, that's true. that's cool. And I'm direct descendant of John Robinson, who actually died and lied in Leiden, Holland, who is their pastor, who took them out of England, brought them to the Netherlands, because at that time the Netherlands was more religiously tolerant. How outrageous is this guy?
0: That's pretty fascinating.
2: Okay. So, uh, but he didn't make it over. His son Isaac did a few years after the Mayflower. So the Robinsons didn't make it over on the Mayflower, but other ancestors of mine did.
1: Okay. So yeah, so he's, he's this guy's you know embedded, you know, he's old school, long history in America. All right. So, so let's, um,
0: we'll, we'll come back to some of the multi faith conversation because I know there's a nugget that. Uh, Father Anderson will be uh, especially uh, well placed to answer one of John's uh, questions that you've had for many episodes now, but we've got to get to uh, what you guys are seeing in Kurdistan, why you're there, and uh, what our listeners can glean from your experience right now. So you and uh, and Father Anderson have gone on something of a site assessment to figure out what the ramifications are in the United States change in policy towards Syria, namely pulling troops out of the region. And what are you seeing down there?
2: Well, I'll say initially when we uh, made this trip, uh, decided on it, started buying airplane tickets, uh, there was discussion, uh, not of the U.S. pulling out troops at the time, uh, but there were discussions about issues and we were looking at, uh, potentially looking at certain types of refugee populations in Syria in terms of how to help with humanitarian aid because I've got a, NGO 501 c3 called st. Nicholas freedom group and John is helping me a lot of issues there because we do anti human trafficking religious freedom
1: and this is all pre pre You know the the, in Turkish invasion. This is months in the making We were talking about going and interacting with and so father John had made the the sort of effort to kind of say Okay, I'm gonna come out and come out and do this and then we met up earlier this week because you know we didn't come together uh, and, and the idea is that it morphed into, uh, okay, now let's, let's, let's meet up, let's do a collaborative site assessment of what's going on in country, conduct some engagement. And then also now, because of the changing environment, let's see how that, the war is affecting the, the, some of the really profound positive qualities in Kurdistan. You know, for example, you have a multi-faith community where you have Sunni Shia, which is, you know, your Muslim side, your Christian groups with and your Yazidis and all the religious minorities there. And so your Buddhist, your Jewish community um, Zoroastrians and other religious communities who are flourishing here, collaborating here, living here, and no one knows about it. No one knows about it. Uh, uh, Saddam tried to basically wipe out diversity and they survived. And they, they survived survive through collaborating and helping yeah. each other. They didn't yeah. survive by isolating themselves. Right. They integrated in a way they were able to maintain their religious identities and then become strong and col- as a collective. Uh, and, and something that's really profound here is in the ministry of, what's it called? Well, we, uh, the ministry of religion, but we met with the director of coexistence. Right. In the ministry of religion, they, each religion has an office in the ministry. I don't know any other country that has that. I mean, they might they, you know, the ministry might appoint, uh, a, a, you know, a, a, a rabbi or a, a, a sheikh or, or, or a patriarch or something, but to have actual authority and an office in the ministry that so that their communities can have direct access to the government's, uh, services and, and policymaking yeah. is, is unique and profound. And, and, uh, uh, I, I don't think that the Kurds get enough credit for how they interact with uh, the religious communities and the success they have yeah. of within their multi faith engagement I think it's very you know it's a, it's, a, it's not a secret that's kept on purpose yeah. um, although there is a there, there is some some difficulty between Arabs and Kurds but that's an ethnic issue right. rather than a religious issue so sure I don't so, know, what would you agree um, um, yeah what the
2: What's interesting is that in this part of the world, a lot of the countries are, uh, perhaps except Lebanon, uh, you know, religious appellation, Republic of. Right. And the Kurds, by uh, trying to work with the religious diversity in the best aspects of human development, understand the need of the need for freedom of conscience and uh, Freedom of religion is the basis for freedom of conscience and it's out of those Freedoms freedoms that we Americans hold so dearly that everything else unfolds. If you don't have real freedom, you don't have real um, Rule of law for instance, and right. this this is a Muslim country. Yeah, Yeah. No. I mean I, not, I'm gonna back you up on that because uh, we just talked about the diversity I think this is an exceptional Muslim country, right? Because of the fact that you do have these strong, ancient, ancient diverse communities. I mean, it, I don't think we have to go back 1,300 years to find that maybe it wasn't a Muslim community or areas uh, weren't Muslim. Uh, you know, uh, Sanlamania, and I apologize to all the Kurds out there, if I just butchered that name of the city, but they have a large Zoroastrian sort of population. Yeah, system. and you know, I haven't heard
1: of Zoroastrians going on the rampage and committing religious genocide. Well, and here we have a, a like I said, a Sunni country, yeah. and I think that that the, the you know this is where we get into a difference between you know the, the sects in Islam, and we talk about you know I mentioned some of them earlier on the on the in the podcast. You know, your Wahhabi, Salafi, your Deobandis, who have these 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 sects that that are very prescriptive and precise, like we were talking about earlier on yeah. what. Should, you know, what is interpreting religious texts, defining what a Muslim is, and then moving forward on that, and then taking one step further and going, by the way, there shouldn't be other, any other religious groups around. Right. Because we, are, we right. are the sole authority on, on, on religion, and, and therefore you must do this. Uh, uh, either become part of the community, or we are going to figure out a way to, to, to dispel you. And so this is the str- struggle that we always talk about internally with the Muslim community. But I think that there's uh, an opportunity here to see a matrix that is working and ancient and collaborative and current
2: and current and you know and and, uh, what we've done and what we continue to do is to encourage the Kurdish people to look at the strengths they've been through a lot, a lot over the last decades, Uh, the whole reign of
1: Saddam Hussein who saying Isis you name it. Well look, they border Iran. Yeah. They're, they're bordering a war zone right now. they've got yeah. you know the, 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 the turmoil of what's happening in Iraq right now and and it, it's there's an amazing moment. One of the reasons why we're having this podcast is that Father John was going his NGO coming out to do the assessment. I'm here collaborating with him. Uh, he had meetings set up. What did he do? He inv- he invited me to his meeting tonight with the ministry. It wasn't like he wasn't waiting to say, Oh, I'm gonna have this meeting, it's mine in a collaborative multi faith space says, we're here together, why don't you come to my meeting? And they were shocked, weren't they? they, yeah, they, they were shocked.
2: But you know, and I'll simply and say not in a bad way, but they no, like, no. they're pleasantly surprised. And but it goes back to Orthodox theology in that, you know, I'm limited. And anybody who knows me well will say extremely. But uh, the reality is, is that regardless of experience or education or whatever, uh, I bring my own very limited perspective. And so it is very good to have somebody there who brings another perspective. The other part from the orthodox theology perspective is there is no one I meet that God loves less than me, hmm. meaning they're all creating God's image fashioned after his likeness. And to quote the man of self again, you know, for me, Jesus Christ, uh, who am I to judge?
0: Father John, I'd judge any of them. Yeah. Father Anderson, I want to focus on one thing I picked up from something you just said. You said it's about your faith, right? So it's from within. Yes, absolutely. You're you're doing multi-faith engagement, not just because it's a nice thing or... Um, in our, from our Western, uh, you know, post Enlightenment yeah. context, we think everybody ought to get along. You're right. drawing within, you're drawing on theology and resources from within your own tradition to engage the religious other. Is that? Do I read that correctly?
2: That is, and I'll simply say this: in Christianity, there is no group that understands multi faith engagement and multi faith living better
1: than the Orthodox Christians, whether they're Oriental or Eastern. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. And and the, a, as somebody who you know, and I and as somebody, it's it's not by accident that the two of us have collaborated at the roundtable, and now that we're here, we're teaming up while we have the time to do so, because both of our faiths demand who we you know to move that we move forward and step outside of not just our communities to make sure that we engage appropriately. And the profound nature of the two of us walking into the ministry today was a show of positive force in yeah. that direction and unity yeah absolutely just like this podcast with you with the two of us Matthew even though you you said I, I give Matthew. you a hard time I, even, even Matthew, though she Calvinist. yeah
0: <laughs> even though John tries to set me up every episode
2: there, there you go there you go <laughs> just just for more remember it's more than the bread of bread more than the wine of wine. What, that, what does that mean? That's, yeah, that's that from means. John Calvin's Institutes. I didn't read it in the original French. Didn't, didn't you sit last. in the chair?
1: Did you sit in the Calvin chair? Don't come after me. Didn't you sit in the Calvin chair, Matthew? <laughs> I did
0: not sit in the Calvin chair. My parents, uh, I've, I know people who went and saw it. Okay. It's well, you, well, you, you, you can go you it's can look at it. Chair. I'm not sure if they allow people to sit <laughs> in it, but you can go look yeah. at it and take pictures. Uh-huh. Of it.
1: Well, uh, uh, as, as long as it's not in an outhouse. I'm right. About it. Right. Yeah, it must be one of those rigid chairs that squeaks a lot. I I don't know if it
0: squeaks. It certainly did not look like a comfortable chair. Yeah.
1: So would you? So I I think it's the the, the, you know Father John is is much more qualified to do the download on what's your assessment of the environment here as the conflict. So as you as you see it from a pre-conflict, current conflict, and then from the post. Uh, and what do you, you know, and so, you know, good, bad, and the ugly, you know, the risks, what's going on, really, you know, some of the positive things are happening, what is, what, you know, some of the outcomes from our conversation with the ministry, what are you thinking right now uh, is an assessment? Is it a critical time? Is it, is it do we have, you know, should, should we be very concerned? What, what's, what do you think is, is the, the, the core of how you would describe what's going on right now and how it's affecting the community?
2: I would say that if the world were wise, which unfortunately are human beings, that's not our greatest asset typically, they would look at this area of the planet and they would look at it probably over the last 50 to 70 years. And they would say, how are they hanging on? How do they make this happen? Uh, How do they believe that there is a future? Uh, The Kurdish word, and please... uh, Forgive me for mistranslating it for
1: hope is hiwa. How do they maintain Hiwa is hope? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's. I would say it's the shami kebab. They make really, really good here shami we, here kebab. Here we go. He's it's on, delicious. He's going off the deep end. I'd like to say it's a jet lag. But, it's still. Del, it's delicious. They it's make the, the the shami kebabs are at least six inches longer than normal shami kebabs. And they are delicious. The food's exceptional. And and the and the and the naan. Do you want
2: me to answer the question? Are we gonna? Or is this well, well, the naan has into seeds into in co- it. Is this turning to a cooking show?
1: But it has seeds. I mean, <laughs> we talk cooking. The okay. sesame seeds. It's right, delicious. I want to talk about sushi. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, I just think that their food might might. Their food is excellent. Is, okay. It might but be that, a factor. They're more of the curds than cuisine.
0: You have to understand yeah. that part of Pena's uh, multi-phase strategy is, is cuisine and especially breakfast foods. So getting
2: back to the seriousness, the gravity of the uh, question is, is this, Uh, what, what nation, what political party, what people, what faith thinks that they're so correct. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying there's not truth. Okay. I'm not saying there's not truth. And, and I'm not saying uh, there's not a God, but what I'm, I've experienced my whole life is there is a loving God. Okay. Uh, it's not my uh, middle name is Edwards, so I'm John Edwards. Certainly not mm. Jonathan Edwards. It's not sinners in the hands of an angry God. Because if it's sinners in the hands of an angry God, then God is just a supernatural bully. Mm. Okay, because if we stand back and we look at our own lives, probably by somewhere between age 20 and 25, we realize that we're our own worst enemy, typically. Okay, that our. Uh, sinfulness or harmatia in greek not hitting the mark so to speak Uh, we don't really use the concept of sin the way it is in the west and we certainly don't have a concept of sin nature uh the way there is to some degree from a calvinist perspective in the west but uh how great am i that i want the world made my image and i throw that uh, out to anybody and how great is any government that the world should be governed by it or a people or a faith. And uh, and being a, a of the pilgrims who are fleeing a state with a church, uh, you know, church as state is always flawed, always flawed, because absolute power corrupts absolutely. And as something I've always said about Christian clergy, you need to keep three things away from Christian clergy, if you want them to be Christian, you keep money away from them. uh, You keep them poor. You keep real estate away from them, which is part of poverty. And you keep weapons. Uh, Jesus had none of those three. And then they're much more apt to be able to listen to the call of God. Because Jesus came into the world without those three, and he left uh, by his own choice. Not in terms of being crucified, but by willing to be crucified Mm -hmm. because he didn't use that kind of earthly power to try and gain what he was trying to gain. So getting back to the question in a more concrete way. All of us. Unless we take a real assessment at how we're living our lives as human beings. okay, and we can pick a topic, you know, climate change. Uh, uh, Diversive politics where we no longer are capable of living and listening to, you know, to each other, totalitarian regimes, you know, uh, communism, uh, uncontrolled capitalism, whatever it is. We're going to be in the same uh, situation that the Kurds are in. Okay, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're going to be like the Kurds in their ability to look forward hold on to the good parts of their past look forward and believe that they can create a meaningful future because uh, in many respects all of our uh, immersions our baptisms and our own ego make us shallower because somehow you know and, and this is also from the calvinism i call the theology of job's friends in america we have this kind of attitude that good things happen to good People and bad things happen to bad people. Well, mm-hmm. good Job was righteous. And he went through hell.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. And he would not curse God and die. And people can sit there and say, well, you know, everything was restored to him. Not the trauma he went through. The trauma he went through was not something that was restored to him. The loss of children, things like that. The Kurds are going through this. The Kurds are going through this with their neighbors. They're going through it themselves. Uh, And they're still able to look towards the future without having, if you will, not in the political sense, but perhaps in the ideological sense, a totalitarian vision of what the future must be. They realize their future is uh, predicated on the fact that they happen to have to be open, open to something greater than themselves, open to love of neighbor. okay, open to the possibility of listening. You know, any sense of real dialogue in the United States? How many years has it been since we've seen that in politics?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, even with faith communities, it's still difficult. Yeah, I mean, there's still, you know, it, it, within the Christian community, you got we're talking about how you got the Orthodox and the and the the, 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 the Protestants don't communicate. Within the Muslim community, we collaborate back and forth, but it's only been relatively recently that we've collaborated at a at, in a, at a profound level because of the the the, the chokehold that's right. that's that, uh, that that what the Wahhabis have had on on engagement in Washington that all the NGOs the top five NGOs were all funded by Wahhabis and Muslim Brotherhood and they controlled the narrative and they didn't want to talk to anybody else in the Muslim community right. now that's gone uh, that's that's the last five years that's 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 diluted and now there's much more diversity in the Muslim community but I think it's you know when it comes to here there's something extraordinary happening and that, that's been happening for centuries, that's still in existence, and it's ancient, it's, but it's also current, and it's it's profound in, in how it's been operationalized, at the not at the, not, not, not at the governmental level, where, like you said, the ministry has offices of every faith group, and then they're collaborating, respecting the holidays, there's all kinds of other stuff going on, and they're talking about the future. It, as crazy as it as as all their environment is you know, with crazy. Iran and this and, you know in Syria and everything else. So and then you know Father John's coming out here and like I said, it's, here we are together talking with you about this. And we're, and I would say the site assessment is positive. Hmm. It's hopeful. It's and hopeful the, with the caveat that you know this community is completely under siege and there's a word for it. called surrounded. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, so there's you know, a military term. You know, it's surrounded and uh, there's, um, it's, it's interesting to see other communities celebrate what, what their, what wins they have and the multi-faith perspective, but this is a, a daily everyday operational thing where these communities are flourishing yeah. and not only that, they're letting NGOs come in here to help in Syria, to, to conduct forays into Syria and, and help the communities there. I can say it this way. Someone tried to teach my children is
2: life is a team sport. Mm-hmm. Okay. In America, for a long time, culturally, we pushed radical individualism, with, which is a myth, mm, because yeah. uh, what, what formed the United States was actually not a bunch of radical individuals. It was a group of people uh, compelled by a belief in their faith to come up on a foreign shore. Okay, uh, There were no cities, there were no buildings, there were no social programs, there was nothing, nothing at all. And, uh, and they encountered people who were here and uh and then in certain contexts not to go too deep in uh they didn't handle them pro- properly but in other ways they tried to and but they weren't worrying about being radical individuals what they were worried about is taking care of each other yeah okay and the kurds through all of this are still and and it's always a struggle so when i uh, say what i'm about to say it is not a ding on the kurds this kurds are struggling with this idea and orthodox christian Christianity, we talk about ascesis. Life is a struggle. If you're not struggling, then you can guarantee you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. You're completely embedded in evil because trying to do good in the world is always a struggle. The Kurds are trying to struggle through this situation. They're very inspirational. United States, our culture, we need to stop being afraid of uh, pain and death, Mm -hmm. okay? And we need to embrace the struggle to be better than we are, yeah. And that's always been a challenge to every. It's something the United States Americans need to do, instead of running away from all the problems, running away from the pain. And the Kurds, what they're doing is with everything they've got going on. And, I, and I'm a licensed mental health clinician. Uh, the Kurds, you know, it, if they could, they can't. If they could, they'd need a couple of decades to recover. what they went through, but instead they're opening themselves up. And in the Orthodox Church, we call it kenosis. They're pouring themselves out to help other people. Mm. They're helping other people, and somebody may go, well, they're Kurds too. Well, technically, uh, the way the modern world looks at things, they're Syrians, Mm. okay? But it's not just Kurds that are coming across, it's not just Kurds that are affected by the crisis in Syria, it's Christians and other groups. And they're coming here too, okay. And still in the midst of all that, still in the midst of their very recent history of uh, violence and oppression, ISIS, Tsunami Hussein, you name it. I mean, you know, there are a pair of uh, you know exceptional forces of evil in, in history. Uh, they are still trying to navigate to a place where there's freedom of conscience, where they just respect all human beings and they have hope and that is you know certainly worthy far from perfect in execution as are we or any country but that is certainly worthy of our contemplation
1: well here we are it's amazing that we're so we talk about a lot of stuff in policy you you and i matthew and 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 we're able to right now because of this 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 moment of father john being here me being here and and us being able to take the time to talk about this, to be in country in theater, talking about a community that we've recently been engaged with on multiple levels. Yeah. And, and now we're, we're, you know, it's, it, 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 makes with a multi-faith space that we, that we <clears throat> cherish so dearly and, but also frustrates us so much because it's give it a, a, a current and, and, uh, example, uh, that, that is within not only that like with, within the, the news cycle of all these events that are happening. and we're we're not talking about this from Washington. We're in Europe right now. Yeah. Uh, you know Sydney sitting you know together <coughs> sitting there going what's going on at eleven at twelve twelve midnight, you know because <laughs> we're plus seven hours. Uh, uh, yeah, and and you know, the power just went off. Um, you know, which, which
2: is a daily event here we yeah. did
1: in the United States.
2: Probably ninety percent of our population with stroke, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I mean, and across the room, is a gentleman is whose team is in Syria right now, helping with humanitarian aid, medical you know, aid, and we're sitting here going, uh, you know, we we have them you know sitting here, you know, wondering, you know, if they how their safety is and everything else. And, and so, and they're a multi
2: faith, multi ethnic team. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, and and helping, helping, you know, multi faith, multi ethnic victims and yeah you know and, and people and, you know And I'll simply say
2: this in the midst of all of that being generous enough and thoughtful enough to provide us hospitality. Yeah yeah you know, you know and, and which is one of the most ancient uh, forms of actionable good, if you will and the Kurds are masters of it. Yeah.
0: And so are and our a, guests. And in a context where no one would blame them if they said sorry we got some too busy. stuff going on Absolutely. right now.
2: Yeah. Right? You know, most people go, sorry, yeah. too busy. And they'd be right to say it.
0: Mm. Yeah. We're good. I, I Thank you, gentlemen, for bringing this uh, story and these insights to us uh, and our listeners. and I really appreciate it. Before we go, though, I know we want to, uh, there's been a, a question on John's mind about some of the Christian tradition that has come up multiple times. And, Father Anderson, you just
1: want to put these to bed, don't you? You just want—I can tell you just—we were talking about—we were talking about the Jesus Abs for a long time.
0: And Father John and, is uniquely positioned and knowledgeable to give a a informed answer, uh, more so than than John's speculation or me as a Baptist uh, to go to go look up uh, the reason for this. So John, go ahead, get it out of your system, and ask your question. No, wait, I didn't know you
1: asked the question. I don't remember what the question is.
0: <laughs> you know what the question is. The question is from John: uh, why is it that the display of Jesus on a cross, uh, he is frequently, uh, if not always, depicted as having uh, a v- very visible abs, six-pack? Uh, the six pack. John six finds pack. that yeah. fascinating. I confess that, in as a Protestant, as a Baptist, uh, I am not uh, part of the tradition that displays Jesus in that manner because we are, our crosses intend uh, to not have Christ on the cross. Um, but someone from Father Anderson's tradition has a really insightful answer for why that that depiction looks like that.
1: So the jesus on the cross the jesus abs you know in shape the original six pack all right so i'll explain something
2: so here we're talking about abs because they have a cultural value in american culture okay Okay. so let's think about that for a moment right all right that shows how deeply culture for better or worse i'm not saying one with the other affects our perspectives on faith Mm. okay so i'll simply say in a lot of uh american portrayals of jesus he is what i call the holy football player okay he's well fed he's going to the gym uh, there's a particular image uh, i think of where there's a little girl he's either staying around her uh she's sitting on his lap and her hands he's got his hands and and he's got a garment that you know it looks like it, it's kind of off-white so you imagine it's probably woven linen uh that covers his shoulders you know his whole abdomen and everything else Completely appropriate. And, uh, you know, he's probably like 250. He goes to the gym uh, five days a week, takes two days off, and he's probably eating like 4,000 calories a day. Uh, And his hair is almost, almost. It's light brown. His eyes are blue. His skin is almost as light as mine. And I've got, you know, Irish skin. Uh, So, you know, there's not a lot of pigment here. And the reality of who Jesus Christ is and what the Orthodox Church tries to do is we try to be historically accurate in our artistic portrayals of Christ as mother and the other saints. Saints being, in the Greek word, agios, male or female, holy. Because there are a lot of words that we use in English and other Western languages that really don't translate to some of the original words used uh, in Christianity. Because Christianity, that first major languages it was translated in or or lived in it was aramaic hebrew and greek mm-hmm. later latin um and now we talk about it in the bible in english so to go to answer this question jesus was jewish uh, he was a manual laborer okay and uh he fasted a lot when we talk about fast and we do a 24-hour fast We've got a country, or the whole of Western culture, most of the world, that's morbidly obese. Okay? Our excess is our problem. Mm-hmm. Okay? Jesus fasted. He really fasted. What's really yeah. fasting? What does that mean? Re- really, fasting isn't just restraining ourselves and consumption of food. Fasting, what fasting does, pick anything you fast from, it's to remind us that we're dependent on God.
1: Right. Okay. And Islam, so is a discipline, you know, it is, a discipline. It is a discipline. so it's, you know, when you're fast, you're not just fasting from food, it's you're fasting from sex, right. you're right. fasting from right. everything. And so you, you, you hold back on that. I fast between meals. Yeah. So it's it's a well, fast between meals, you know. <laughs> but um, it's not just, you know, food
2: you're fasting from. The idea is is to help us center our perspective of, of our life on the fact that we're completely dependent on God and God's love and mercy, and therefore we are called to be loving and merciful, okay? And like our hosts are being, not just us, by the way. I didn't mean that just in a a self-serving term. But so Jesus is a a hardcore uh, manual laborer. He fasts a lot, okay? You know, if you ever look at uh, manual laborers, okay, most of them are, if they're working hard, and he's only in his 30s right they're, they're,
1: they're, yeah,
2: they're in good shape right and you figure he's doing to use modern terms calorie deprivation and as uh, matthew pointed out he's probably not well hydrated he probably doesn't have a little analogy in bottom or whatever you know he's running around with all the jelly no bottles or dasani you know and and producing plastic and throwing it around uh so you know that's what he the why he looks
1: the way he looks? There is this need. So he's on the cross, and he's fat. He's fasted, and he's been working, you know, the carpentry gig. And and his. Oh, well,
2: remember, and, shortly before this, he was in the desert for forty days, forty nights. What
1: was he doing? Being tempted. Yeah, but My what else was he doing? shatan What? He was fasting. He was fasting. way yeah, you know, and that business. And
2: it, around here, the desert's everywhere, and and. Egypt, or you go to some of the other these places. We think we know what desert is, but we so try you, to, say, so you say it's an accurate depiction of no, a fasting, hard worker. I, I is, can't say that. What I'm saying is, in the Orthodox tradition, we try to be historically accurate. Right.
1: So, because you're because iconography in the Orthodox Church. Yes. Right. So Catholics have to have a different situation. Right. So. They have iconography too. So. Right. Okay, so I mean, you know, that's a satisfying answer. Is that what good, John? Saying? Is that is that fair? I, you know, you know, it makes sense, doesn't it? It it I does mean, to I, me.
0: It, okay. I I actually had never delved into that uh, question, so I I've learned a lot from Father Anderson. I appreciate it.
2: So so I'm gonna, if I may, in, in the, the stolen e- out in, lessons in the Eastern you know, Church, religious we go lessons first, like, first names in the Latin Church, think of a that's Father John. Okay. It's interesting. Uh, church, I'll take it. You know, no, no, I, I don't mean it correctly. I mean it lovingly. Oh, I appreciate in the it. Light church, I,
0: I was just trying to uh, parse between having two Johns on the other end of the microphone. Then,
2: well, there's <laughs> Brother John and Father John, or as we were saying before,
1: I call John Halal John right. and Barat right. John. <laughs> there go. And he, he just,
2: loves that. Love
0: I'm going to call him Hal John Halal John from now ever,
1: on. Ever in my base, so.
2: Right. But in the in the West, for instance, the only person who uses their first name in conjunction with the pastoral title is the Pope, all right. Pope Francis.
0: That works. But that, that's
2: the difference. But what I'd simply say about the Jesus abs, yeah, what's really amazing is the man himself, not just his abs. So this goes to this precision disease. It's in the Western mind, Muslim, Orthodox, Christian, Protestant, or atheist. Let's look at the man himself, his life, and what he did. Yeah, that's all.
1: So well now, well, put, out. Like really, well but, put, Father John. Okay, so you know, so it, it, it was appreciative because we were we were rocked into this conversation, and and I had asked him about the abs. He 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 went. He said it was fasting, so that's why we brought this thing up. It was amazing, you know. So I think I think we satisfied that. You know? I like think
0: a very we reasonable, reasonable yeah. answer.
1: Yeah, which you're going to be happy about. Yeah, I you like know, it. you must be. That's a win for you. It's a big win for you yeah. on this one. I
0: think. It, I think we hell. both win. You you got you answered. You, we got an answer for your curiosity, and and I get to stop hearing you ask about it.
1: <laughs> well, but you, but it also, you didn't know.
0: You know, you got no answer. It's true.
1: And you're you're my go-to guy. Well, I wasn't you know? going to
0: fake an answer, and 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 Father John is well qualified and has provided an insightful answer.
1: And so I, we appreciate. You know, it's so our first interview with a. You know, you know the Orthodox Church uh, and Father John is in in you know in, you know in are in our, our what's it called our our satellite office in Erbil, Erbil yeah. you know Kurdistan. Uh, our mo- mobile field office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're crossing face, bringing faith all over faith, faith conversation all over the world.
0: Parting words, uh, one maybe one from each of you. What you want folks in America back home uh, to hear about your current experience. What do you you want them to, other than the entirety of our conversation, uh, what do you want them to see and take away from what you see on the ground in Kurdistan?
2: Uh, Just like faith without uh, works isn't, Mm. caring without action isn't. Mm. If we're going to care, we need to make it actionable, concrete, and... uh, Fulfilled the objectives. This is a planet full of people. And America, we take a lot. We give a lot, but we can give a lot more. Yeah. And we have a responsibility for everything that we take, that we give back. So I would simply encourage America and her allies to do right by these people in this horrible situation.
0: Yeah. Well put.
1: I agree. I, I think that from my perspective... You know, I, 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 I have a tendency to internalize things a little bit. You know, we talk a lot at the International Religious Roundtable and and, other, and, and and in Washington about policy and, and like to inter- project, you know, our value system. And, and, and as a Muslim, I always get very nervous about that because we religious freedom is part of the Islamic tradition. Uh, it's in, inherently embedded. It's, it's very not inherently, it's explicitly embedded in, in, in the theology. Uh, we're just having this internal struggle with Wahhabism. But I think that, like, I don't know anything about Kurdistan. It's not my my subject matter expertise, yeah. but part of the reason why I've taken the time out of my current agenda to spend time not only with helping Father John and this assessment when I can, while I can. Uh, we We took this time to do the podcast because in a very you know, I I think in a very humble way, we're able to sit down and chat a little bit about our observations in an objective way because it isn't our subject. It isn't my subject, my expertise. expertise. And we're able to take a a real honest and objective assessment of what's going on here. Now, we know the international development world and security and we understand all those components, but we're able to walk into without... And he's really sort of prejudiced and assess what's going on. And that's faith in action. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and the fact that Father John felt compelled to, 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 to include me in the meeting today when I, he didn't have to. Um, and, and not only that, the community here for us to interact uh, with them in, in a very thoughtful manner uh, and, and, and take, take the time to share with us what's going on um, while they're under siege. Uh, is it, it, it on on all fronts? It shows that the, the collaborative and positive nature of faith interaction and faith collaboration. But and, and I think that's a, that's a profound moment. But I honestly, the conflicts that's going on right now, I don't see a purpose in it, and I'm not sure uh, where what what the what the end game is on, for all sides and all parties. And uh, but I do know that the Kurds need assistance and support right now and from the faith communities and that doesn't and that means not being indifferent which is i, I think what the absolute that, that the father john was ma- was we're, mentioning we're, you know and i'm happy that we were able to include you you know you know in this from from tennessee because you're gonna what, what are you gonna do you're gonna edit this you're going to you're gonna take the time to figure <laughs> it out and then post it and all this other stuff which is no less profound than what we're doing right now wow. um and and, and I and I and I you know it's 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 absolutely needed and it's absolutely um you know essential that three faiths um, I would argue three faiths are collaborating on this with the extended community that's here yeah. and uh, and and to make something like this happen and hopefully get it out to the rest of the world
2: and, and I'll and I will simply say this as uh, the hosts uh, uh, have shown uh, we, I'm just speaking as a Christian.
1: We are not Christian if we're indifferent. We're not Muslims if we're indifferent. So just following the fundamentals of Islam is not the way to go. So you have to act, and that means that means you, there has to be some kind of fi- a- action associated with your faith that is outside of yourself, outside. I mean, that means outside of your job, outside of your family, outside of your your community. It needs to happen. So, and that is, it's un-Islamic to not act uh, as such. In any event, thank you, Father John, for taking the time. And thank, thank you, Matthew.
0: Brother John. John. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, it's been insightful. It's been an education, and it has been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for your time and your conversation, and uh, be safe out there.
2: Thank, thank you, sir. You too. God bless you.
0: This has been Crossing Phase with Matt Hawkins and John Penna, a podcast of Roll Top Productions. If you like what you hear and would like to help defray the cost of the show, consider sponsoring us on Patreon by visiting CrossingPhase.com. Crossing Phase is available on all your favorite podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. We'd appreciate your review of our program, especially in the iTunes store. Let us know what you think of the show via Twitter, at mthawk, at JTPinna, or at CrossingPhase. Music for this episode is courtesy Vajra, whose music is available at thevajratemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes for this episode and more are available at crossingfaiths.com.